Hey everybody, Kyle here with one quick correction to our intro. We actually misspoke and called Joy the Deputy Officer of Sustainable Food Center. She's actually the Deputy Director. Just want to get that fact correct before we went onwards. Well, anyways, let's get on with the interview. You know, when you talk about food, I don't, I've never met anybody who doesn't like food. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of hard. Like, oh, I hate food. It's yeah. Like, so I, I can, love food so much. It keeps you alive. So you much. have to like it some I'm, way. I'm hungry. When we walked in and saw the cooking class, I wanted to excuse myself. <laughs> yeah. Just... That's a nice hook, right? Because if you're ever talking to anybody about the organization, you know, where it comes down is it comes down to food. And how mm. are we growing it? How are we accessing it? How are we consuming it? And most people have a pretty strong relationship with food because it's rooted in our culture and mm -hmm. our families and and so it's i think i i just really enjoy that welcome to everyday superhumans the podcast to restore your faith in humanity i'm kyle and i'm charlie so i went to a farmer's market downtown Oh, how was this it? This weekend. It was pretty good. Like, there were a ton of vendors, so many bakers. You could get fruits, veggies, coffee. There was even a knife maker there. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. So, are you showing me some of the... Or you told me about your experience there earlier. Yeah. Where we met up yesterday. Yeah. And you said, like, the... Was that, like, a live band there, too? And, and, and a band. And, well... They had a lot of cute dogs there, too. <laughs> of course. Of course, you know the dogs. So, everything else, you know the dogs. So it was really... And they had a balloon maker there. He was... I think he was around nine years old. Oh, wow. Self-taught so balloon maker. Why I'm bringing this up is that that food market downtown, the farmer's market, because there's more than just food there, as I explained, is put on by Sustainable Food Center... Mm -hmm. And well, it happens to be the nonprofit that we're talking what? about. What, since <laughs> you went there the weekend before we, we launched the episode? Yeah, I mean, who knew? Yeah, it's not like I heard anything about you having a cameraman with you or anything <laughs> like that either. Yeah. In video footage. Yeah, I mean, we weren't just on assignment for a future video project <laughs> for a sustainable food center. No, no, no. You just walked there and it just happened to come. To be the same week that we release the episode. Yeah, I That's mean, I was just walking aimlessly downtown <laughs> at 9 o'clock in the morning. Did you know, Charlie, that the farmer's market you went to was only one of four programs that Sustainable Food Center offers? You know, I heard that from a little birdie who's the deputy officer of Sustainable Food Center. What? They employ mm. birds there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they That's do. such a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you guys haven't gotten it yet, we spoke to the people behind Sustainable Food Center. And it's Joy Kavanotsky. Yeah, uh, she was our guest about a month ago or so, I think is when we recorded this episode. It was a really rainy day. The first recording session our production assistant Anna joined us with. But what? It was a great time. We got to record at the SFC's main office, which has its own classroom for cooking classes, along with a community garden next door to it. Which I guess I should elaborate on the other three things that FFC does, which I forgot to mention because we got on that tangent about birds working at, FFC, at SFC, <laughs> are the farmer's market, as you know, mm. as you've been to, Charlie. Mm. They also offer cooking classes for mm. people that want to learn how to cook, especially on a budget. They also have farm-to-office deliveries for various companies around here in Austin. They'll deliver your groceries to you. 
And they finally have things called community gardens, which are just small gardens and neighborhoods that people can go and grow the produce together as a community and share the fun of gardening with each other. Well, yeah, uh, SFC has been around for a while here in Austin, and they've been growing a lot. As Joey told us when she first started working there, they were just a small nonprofit. Now they have like their own decade office, and they're growing every single day trying to get Austinites on a healthy and affordable diet that's up to their own making. Like you can make whatever food you want as long as you know to cook it well. I want to get in the kitchen right now. Oh, we're like two feet away from my kitchen. And good thing you cooked. Yeah, actually my crock pot did all the cooking, but that's my secret. <laughs> uh, my name is Joy Kaznowski, and I'm the deputy director here at Sustainable Food Center. I've been at SFC for 10 and a half years. We are a nonprofit organization based here in Austin, Texas. We were formed in 1993, but we actually have roots dating back to the 70s because we merged with an organization called Austin Community Gardens that was formed in the 70s. Our whole mission is to cultivate a healthy community by strengthening the local food system and increasing access to nutritious, affordable food. And we do that through uh, three main program areas. Uh, we kind of have a catchphrase called grow, share, prepare. And the idea is that we help people grow food, whether that's in a backyard garden, a school garden, um, community gardens. And we provide support, education, and kind of inputs like seedlings, seeds, organic nutrients, fertilizers, things like that. And um, if somebody were to come to us and say, hey, we want a garden, why don't you guys go build a garden in our neighborhood? We don't do that. It's people mm-hmm. who are interested in this. We will show them how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really about building capacity in individual communities so that they can do their gardening and we're there to support them. Our SHARE program is really called Farm Direct, and that's where we connect farmers directly to consumers through our two uh, weekly rain or shine, 52 weeks a year farmers markets downtown from 9 to 1 at Republic Square Park and at Sunset Valley. 9 to 1 at uh, the Tony Burger Center there in Sunset Valley. All of those uh, farmers markets or the two farmers markets that we have are grower only, meaning that there's no reselling. Somebody can't buy a bunch of stuff and then come sell it. Really, whoever is selling that product, be it beef or eggs or chicken or vegetables, is that actual producer. And we also have something called Farm to Work, where we have about 40 different work sites that are paired with farmers. And the farmers actually have like a special portal for those work site employees to order baskets of produce. And then that farmer will deliver the produce, uh, usually on a once a week or every other week basis. As somebody right. who hates going to the grocery store, I really like the idea because I hate grocery shopping. Yeah. You can probably guess that nonprofits run at a different speed compared to for-profit companies, Mm -hmm. but we've seen just in convenience and grocery shopping, there's a lot of options out there. And Mm -hmm. so actually going to the grocery store these days is not the only option. And so when you're competing with, you know, things being delivered to your door or like HEB has the pickup, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, what's that value add Mm -hmm. to either get people to the farmer's markets or is there some way that we can make sure that local farmers are incorporated into those new systems of kind of distribution. One last thing I want to say, the last program is Big Kitchen, La Cocina Alegre. And that's actually where I spent the majority of my time before I became deputy director. Mm -hmm. That whole program is about teaching people how to cook healthy, uh, a lot of times local food that's easily accessible and um, meeting people where they are. And when y'all walked in today in the kitchen, that was actually the last class in our fundamental series. Okay. 
and we do classes here at the teaching kitchen and we also do classes off-site. We have lots of free classes that we do in communities working directly with schools and clinics and churches and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And a lot of the classes that we do here at the building, we do charge a fee for. And what that helps us do is then offset the cost of providing free services in the community. Mm, okay. Yeah. I used to volunteer at, a, uh, at Second Harvest Food Bank. Do you know about them? Where are they located? I think they're based out of Louisiana. Okay. I think so. Because okay. that's when I volunteer with them. And I volunteered as a uh, as an instructor in one of those uh, cooking ah, programs like that. Yes. And it was really fun like to see people like enjoy the fun of cooking. And you got to eat free food when you're done as well. I guess you got to pay for it here, but it's still nice. Yeah. Yeah. So La Cocina Alegre, it started off as a Spanish language program. And the idea was, okay, we really want to help be supportive of families eating healthier. How can we do that? Well, let's provide some cooking education, you know, and this was like 15, 20 years ago. And then it was like, well, what's the best way to teach them? And we tried getting chefs involved, and which was a great idea, but also chefs are very busy. Mm, and, yeah. and so then it kind of dawned on someone, well, what if we had people actually from the communities in which we're working to train people, find champions in those communities, and essentially call them facilitators? They're facilitating that spread of knowledge between them and between the class and really kind of helping people along that journey of, of cooking. And so we have about 40 facilitators wow. now who are who uh, teach in Eng- either English or Spanish or both languages and provide the free classes. Yeah, the one that was on the video on your website, the one about, about the cooking program, she was hilarious. Oh, do you know oh her yeah, her? I think it was really funny. Yeah, she was, was that, super funny. Is that... Is that Linda Catherine? I don't know. They, it was in the video. I don't Did they think they her? said the name. Is she wearing her a turquoise name? shirt? Uh, I watched the yesterday. I should know this. She was really funny. She was more in the B-roll. Okay. Other people were talking, but then she would be the instructor, like saying this one funny line. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if which video if we're talking about the same one, because the other thing that's interesting is so Linda Catherine is one of our facilitators, and she is the daughter of Catherine and the niece of Linda. And oh. both Linda and Catherine are facilitators. And then Catherine's daughter also came into the program. So we've got Linda Catherine and then we've got Catherine and Linda. So, okay. Yeah. Um, well, we'll throw the video yeah. into the links so that we can see. It was a really yeah, well done video. Yeah, I really like all of the videos. Oh, good. They were really done good. really well. well. Our, our communications director, Becca, will be really happy to hear that yeah. feedback. How did you personally get involved with SFC? Sure. So I have a great story about how I got involved. I'm not just saying that because... Um, so I, uh, served in the Peace Corps for two years in Bolivia and that was in 2007 and I was thinking, well, I either want to go into bilingual education or I want to do something in food systems. I had actually interviewed SFC for a senior project when I was at UT. So I knew the organization existed. And at that time to, you know, food and food systems was even a smaller sector so I thought, man, it's going to be really difficult to get a job in that sector. But, mm. you know, bilingual education, I'm going to go get my teaching certificate and my master's degree in, in bilingual education. I'll do that. And then I was trying to figure out, I was planning to move to the Bay Area in San Francisco. Mm. And at the same time, I went down to Mexico to visit a friend who was living down there. And I happened to be in Oaxaca, Mexico. Mm. And I was at our hotel and I overheard this couple speaking Spanish, but I knew it wasn't Mexican Spanish. Mm. So I asked them, I was like, where are you guys from? And they said, oh, we're from Chile, but we're actually graduate students at the University of Texas. And I said, oh, no 
way. I'm, you know, seeing, trying to figure out if I'm going to move back to Austin. And we got to chatting. Anyways, lo and behold, I got back to Austin. It was in August and stayed in touch with those guys. And they emailed me and said, we have a friend and they're looking to hire someone at a nonprofit who speaks Spanish. Would you be interested to be connected with her? And I said, absolutely. So that they connected me with her name was Valeria. She's no longer here at the organization, but uh, I ended up getting an interview for the position. And then actually on my way to the interview, my car broke down on I-35. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I hitchhiked. Wow. <laughs> to the interview. You were determined. Yes, I was so <laughs> determined. I really wanted this job. Um, and lo and behold, yep, I got, I ended up getting the job. And so that was 10 and a half years ago. Wow, that's a quiet way to get to the interview. Yeah. I, I would was, have like called the interviewer saying like, hey, can we reschedule to tomorrow? Well, it was, we- it was funny because one of the, t- you know, the interview questions was, you know, well, tell us about a time that you faced adversity or something <laughs> like that. You're like, well, today. <laughs> yeah, actually. exactly. So I, I, I could check that one off really easily. But, <laughs> I, you know, I feel I feel lucky because I joined the organization at a time when our organization was growing. And so at the same time that I think I was growing as a person mm. and, and career wise, the organization was growing and I could really take advantage of that and grow with the organization. I'm guessing that was before this building that we're in was constructed, right? Yep, this building's we, recent. Yep. We moved in here in June of 2013. So it's been almost five years. And before that, we were in a fourth floor of an office building. So oh, people wow. would you, call you us grow. and say, hey, we co- want to come see your center or we want to come see your kitchen. And, you know, we're, we're in an office building. We don't have much to show. <laughs> Yeah, um, you got like the small like break room with a coffee pot in it. Yeah, and you <laughs> so. know, as our organization was growing, we had people just like packed into mm-hmm. various offices. So it was really a dream to be able to raise the funds to build this building mm. and have a home base for the cooking program. Mm. Also across, it's raining right now, but across the railroad tracks, there's also a 2.3 acre garden. And part of that is the community garden, St. David's community garden. And then part of it is the teaching garden. What's your favorite thing about working at SFC? Um, I'm going to ask you tough questions. Yeah, sure. Um, Probably one of my favorite things is the people. I think, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes I have to do a gut reality check, you know, because everybody gets challenging Mm -hmm. times with their job. At the end of the day, I have really awesome people that I get to work with and people are committed. They're passionate. I think we we try to find some lightheartedness in the, the work that we do. So that goes a long way. And and I became deputy director in July. And what's been really fantastic is I now oversee all of our programs Mm -hmm. and I've gotten to work with all of them pretty intensely, more so than when I was just with Happy Kitchen. And that's been really neat to, to just be able to work with more people and understand more about what we're doing in the different programs. Mm-hmm. It's kind of so. like uh, working at a startup and like raise, rising up to like a VP position. That's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. So that level. I love it. I think the other thing about working here, in my opinion, there's always something new and new opportunities. And it's, you know, I think we're, we're at that point too, where we kind of have to figure out, is this something we want to pursue or do we not? Because there's mm-hmm. so many requests and people are interested in partnering mm-hmm. with us and that sort of thing, which is fantastic and at the same time we also have to make sure we're not just doing everywhere you know everywhere Mm -hmm. and we're not following our mission or you know that sort of thing you get like you get sponsorship you get (laughs) yeah yeah that would be difficult what else do i love i mean the fact i you know when you talk about food I don't, I've never met anybody who doesn't like food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of hard. Like, oh, I hate food. It's yeah. Like, so I, I love food so much. It keeps you alive. So you much. have to like it so I'm, much. I'm hungry when we walked in and saw the 
cooking class, I wanted to excuse myself. Yeah, that's a nice hook, right? Because if you're ever talking to anybody about the organization, you know, where it comes down is it comes down to food and how Mm. are we growing it? How are we accessing it? How are we consuming it? And most people have a pretty strong relationship with food because it's rooted in our culture and Mm -hmm. our families. And and so it's I think I, I just really enjoy that. Yeah, Aspect. speaking of which, like the mission of SFC is to have like local roots for all the food you get. What are some of the benefits of getting local food versus like going to HEB or Kroger and getting food there? I, I do want to I do want to acknowledge, too, that HEB is a sponsor of okay, ours. Okay. Um, but, you know, and I, you know, one thing that I do like about HEB, well, there's a lot of things. I, mean, I like them a lot, too. They're yeah. Great. Way I mean, to put them down, Kyle. <laughs> I'm just trying. No, I mean, I think, you know, I think they, they've started off as a small business. They're a privately yeah. um, run company. I think they've got a lot of um, good social programs that they're trying to um, embrace in Texas. Mm-hmm. And they do, in my opinion, they do care about Texas agriculture mm-hmm. because I think they try to source okay. from Texas as much as possible. Um, and, you know, I think one of the differences is with some of the producers that we work with is they're a lot smaller scale mm-hmm. and they may not be ready to sell into the wholesale market or have the quantity. And the other thing, too, with the way that agriculture is going, it's very consolidated and it's really hard to compete if you're not big mm-hmm. and you don't have big inputs and a lot of times direct marketing, meaning you're selling directly to the consumer, there's no middleman, you generally fetch a higher price for that and you're able to operate. Speaking of which, I was how I mentioned to you guys, I was in Washington, D.C. this past mm-hmm. week and I was speaking to a farmer who's from Tennessee. He's retiring, going back to his family land that's been in the family for 200 years. Wow. And he runs cattle on it. But he's like, the only way for me to survive in this business now is to sell directly to consumers. Mm-hmm. And he's not too far from Nashville. And he's like, that's how, that's how I'm going to do it. I can't mm-hmm. compete with my product with everyone else because mm-hmm. I'm not a huge cattle mm-hmm. operator. So I think, you know, back to the question about what are the benefits. One of the things is you get to eat with the seasons and see how the seasons change, which I think is kind of cool. I feel like it makes you a little bit more grounded knowing mm-hmm. like it's not tomato season right now. Mm-hmm. It's actually green season. Also that your money when you spend it is being going right back into the pockets of people in your own community. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of economic assessments that show that that dollar goes farther. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then it going, then it's spending going elsewhere. It's it's regenerated more dollars because that farmer then goes to the hardware store in his or her town, or you know goes after you know after the market, stops in at a local restaurant, buys a cup of coffee, you know that sort of thing. Um, and I think you know culturally speaking, the food that is at farmers markets, or if you buy food that's um, from a local system, it also speaks to what's native and growing in Mm -hmm. your area. You know, you go to Mm -hmm. a farmer's market in Pennsylvania versus California, it's going to be different. And Mm -hmm. I think as the world to some extent gets more homogenous, Mm -hmm. it's nice also to kind of hold on. We were just talking about differences in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nice to hold on to some of that, some of that culture. I feel like there's a taboo with healthy food that it's expensive, but it's actually not. And it, it can be really cheap. I, w- I guess I would answer that question. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I think one of the things that we've noticed is convenience. And 
you know, you can buy healthy foods, you could buy all of these vegetables and, you know, unadulterated, you know, just kind of plain pasta sauce and pasta Mm -hmm. and maybe just some chicken or meat or fish or something like that. But then you have to take the time to actually put it together. And there's been a couple studies on kind of time poverty, Mm -hmm. air quotes, especially with working poor, Mm -hmm. you're running from job to job or you've got children and it's like, when do you have time to actually make that meal? I think if you have the right tools and you have the knowledge, I think, yes, like eating, eating healthy can be incredibly cost effective. Mm -hmm. Also, if you like meal planning, a lot of the things we talk about, if you meal plan, you won't, you're less likely to have to, you know, lose fresh produce because you forgot about it. And then you have to Mm -hmm. throw it out and you're essentially like, well, there's $5. I might Mm -hmm. as well have thrown in the trash because I didn't get to eat that. Um, But I, so I think, you know, I guess I answer that question with, yes, it's complicated Mm -hmm. depending on your time, your schedule, your knowledge, your interest. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we really try to stress in our classes is that yes, healthy does not have to be unattainable and out of reach. There are ways to eat healthy on a budget. There definitely are, but it's, it also takes, I think a little bit of planning and some knowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where your classes come in though, right? You kind of teach everything that you need to know about like what to buy. And they said, if it's in season, I'm guessing it'd be cheaper if it's in season. Right. So if you stick with those crop seasons. Yep. Those are, yep. That's kind of our mantra is um, meeting people where they are and then looking at what's available seasonally. Classes also that we do here in the kitchen at our building, generally their costs, they're between, generally between 30 and $40 per class. So we try to keep that pretty reasonable for folks. And, you know, if somebody's coming in and we're talking, we're teaching maybe a Thai cooking class mm, or even, you know, a, a, a Mexican cooking class or something else like that. We want to look at the menus to make sure that they also reflect the seasons mm. and that the ingredients are not so obscure that you have to buy it at this one particular place mm-hmm. or this, mm. you know, <laughs> yeah. this fish is $30 a pound. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, we, you know, there's this balance in working with our instructors as well to make sure that we want to teach people this but we also want to make sure it's as accessible as accessible as possible even for folks who are who do have the funds to say i will pay you 40 dollars. Mm-hmm. we don't want to say well you have to buy this very rare ingredient that you can only get at this one <laughs> yeah. particular I've store had, i ran into the issue before uh, it was back in homa actually really? i was making some i think thai or vietnamese dish and i got everything i needed at the, at the grocery store that i usually shop at except for one thing and i found that at homa had one asian market I went to that one. It was like I remember you talking about this. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. it could be hard if you're trying to get that recipe. And if it's like, I think it was bok choy is what I was looking for. Okay, yeah. I think so it was, and they didn't yes. have it at Rouse's, which is yeah. where I was shopping okay. at. And like a grocery store is already really complicated to me. Yeah, it's very overwhelming experience. <laughs> so I already really don't know where I'm going. I probably have a face that just looks <laughs> consistently <laughs> lost the whole entire time when I'm grocery shopping. So I bet maybe a a market would be more like, okay, I'm all in it. I can see everything. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think, I think I would say yes and no. Cause I think yeah. some folks who haven't ever been to a market, you might be like, Ooh, I don't want to look like an idiot, yeah. you know, <laughs> like how, yeah. how does this work kind of thing. But what's nice about the farmer's markets too, is you can go up and actually talk to the person and be mm-hmm. like, I have no idea what that is. Will you tell me what that is? Yeah. How do I prepare it? How do I eat mm-hmm. it? What do you recommend? So there's those personal relationships on things that otherwise you maybe see in the grocery store and you pass up. Cause you're like, I don't know how to cook bok choy, yeah. you know, forget <laughs> that. Um, 
That's why I really liked the videos, too, because it showed the farmers in their element. So it connected me not being a farmer to the farmer. So I felt the need to go to a farmer's market to say thank you for yeah. doing this. This is really cool. Like, I want to participate in right. this. Yes, and that reminds me, too. Something I've done personally a lot of thinking about is the divide right now I think everybody is feeling in the country, especially mm. between urban areas and rural areas. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, we have the opportunity to SFC and folks who are participating to bridge that divide, to know how important our rural mm. areas who are producing food are to these urban areas that are so hungry and, mm. and they want the food. And so I think respecting both of the two of, of what their needs are, but knowing that there's that connection and there's that um, reliance that we have, that urban areas generally have more people, more mouths to feed, mm-hmm. but the rural areas have plentiful land and, and great farmers mm-hmm. um, and food to feed that. And so I think that respect and that bridge is really important, especially now. Uh, another program that I was interested in is the uh, local farms program, or not local farms, the uh, was it community gardens mm-hmm. down here. Yeah, that's I, really I like interesting that too, especially if you live in an apartment, right? And you want to have farm, a space, like have a yes. space, you can actually go out and have a space. I, yep, I find that so fascinating. Like, I actually been playing this game lately called uh, Stardew Valley, okay. and it's about a game where you just basically <laughs> you have a farm. And you just farm the entire for the game. It's like a great way to like pass time, like like on flights and all that stuff. And there's something about that's like very peaceful and mindful about farming in general. And I like the idea that you're like helping uh, teaching people to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have uh, trainings for community gardeners, and then we have the gardening classes. And what we like to say about community gardens is it's 90% community and 10% garden. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. if you think about there's a you know piece of land that a community wants to be a community garden a lot of it is working with your neighbors or these Mm -hmm. other people to decide Mm -hmm. how is this going to work we're going to communally take care of this piece of land maybe each person has a plot they pay a a fee Mm -hmm. then how does the water get paid for like if we have compost who takes care of it who turns it over if there's weeds like who weeds the pathways, mm-hmm. you know, these sort of things. So we provide a lot of support and training so gardens can kind of figure out that more like governance. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the I feel like that's the hardest piece. And then maybe the growing piece is not as different. I'm not saying that growing food is easy, <laughs> but I think people tend to underestimate yeah. when you have that communal space. Just yeah. pe- There's different personalities and people yeah. have different ideas. Mm-hmm. And you're there, you're like, sometimes you just want to grow your food, but mm-hmm. yet you've got to figure out, yeah, yeah who's going to take care of the compost pile? I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I just went straight to like, oh, for some reason there would be a plot like lined out for me. Yep. Obviously that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. You and have then, to communicate with other people. And then if you come in, you might find a community garden in your neighborhood and then you know you're kind of getting acclimated into that community garden and how does it how does it work Uh, one of the things that we do is we hold uh, water accounts and we provide insurance and things like that for these community gardens because most of the time community gardens are not entities they cannot hold a water bill Uh, you know it would have to be in somebody's name Mm -hmm. so we do a lot of that kind of umbrella work for community gardens we sponsor them we call it a sponsorship and then also those gardens are able to apply for grants underneath our 501c3 status so if they wanted to apply for a grant to build out you know a chicken coop or maybe Mm. they wanted better beds or walking paths or whatever it is they could apply under our umbrella 
Ah. So, uh, well, we're about to come up on time. Is there anything you like to say before um, we sign up? One, yeah, one aspect of our work that I hadn't that we hadn't talked about is that with all of our farmers markets, mm-hmm. we accept SNAP and WIC. So SNAP is food uh, food stamps, okay. essentially yeah. the Lone Star Card. We also accept WIC, which is a program for pregnant women or women with small children, mm-hmm. and also have something called the Double Dollars Program, where people, if you bought, let's say, twenty dollars of fruits and vegetables at the market, we would give you another $20 to spend on fruits and vegetables oh, at the nice. market. Uh, so we do that for our two markets. And then we have the Texas farmers markets. They do that as well as farm stands and several other sites. And the whole idea is that extra money goes right back in the hands of farmers. Mm. Um, so we're everyday superhuman. So mm-hmm. if sus- sustainable, well, okay, let me try that again. <laughs> sustainable food center, uh, would be a superhero, and it could be a made-up superhero too. What superhero would it be? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> always tempted by hey, I get this question asked to me once, yeah. and I couldn't answer it on the spot. So and you take some. T- yeah, and I don't know about your uh, comic book or superhero knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> yes, it's all through You'd my husband. Yes. Um. This is lame, guys. Um, <laughs> I'm not. Y'all aren't lame. I'm lame. Um, I don't know. Like super producer. Super producer. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I go. guess, you know, I see somebody being able to grow food. I see somebody uh, that can also cook food. And basically, they can do anything with food, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. Tasmanian devil. And they like, you see a big, you know, farm made. And then like all the food is harvested. And like, and then it's all made into this beautiful, like you know spread feast i don't know yes i really like that's what i'm thinking that that's one of the most creative ones that we've gotten (laughs) so give yourself more credit thank you thank you eat happy and healthy with the sustainable food center by checking out their official website sustainablefoodcenter.org where you can learn all about the many programs the center has to offer they can also be found on facebook.com slash sustainable food center and on Twitter and Instagram at SFC Local. Looking for some good news to add to your life? Well, we can help you with that. Restore your faith in humanity at everydaysuperhumans.com where you can learn all about the people making the world a better place and help find your calling too. While you're there, check out our Find Your Cause quiz to find a nonprofit right for you. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter to get a little dose of superhuman news and charity opportunities happening right here in Austin. And finally, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SuperhumansCast, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyday Superhumans, and check out our Instagram at Everyday Superhumans. Have we restored your faith in humanity? Then be sure to rate and subscribe to Everyday Superhumans on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling really generous, be sure to donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash everyday superhumans. And remember, not every hero has to fly. So grab your cape and let's go. Seven o'clock. Yes, it's seven o'clock on a Monday night. My crock pot is still cooking food right now, and I could smell literally right now. The aroma is wafting over to our recording studio, <laughs> aka 
Kyle's kitchen table. Yeah. And occasionally your kitchen table. And occasionally my bed because <laughs> it has soundproofing the, in your room. the best soundproof. <laughs> <laughs> I just made it awkward <laughs> <did>. by by <laughs> offering up my bedroom. Yeah. But it's it's that way and it has to be done that way because <laughs> that's the the best place to do it in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I keep it's on. It's making it worse. 